Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host. Today our text is taken from the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verse 10, which says, talking about the Lord Jesus, And thou, Lord, in the beginning hath laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. Here we see that it's the Lord Jesus Christ who was the creator of the world. He laid out the foundations of the world and the heavens are the work of thine hands. Everything that exists, all matter, everywhere in the universe was created by the Lord Jesus Christ. And he did it in an instant of time. The Psalms tell us as fast as you can snap your fingers or blink your eye, that's how powerful and that's how quickly all matter and all things were created. And not only has the Lord Jesus created this earth, and everyone and everything in it, but he also sustains it, he holds it together. Without him holding it together, it would all dissipate and disappear. So we need to be thankful to the Lord Jesus for loving us and dying for our sins, taking our place on the cross of Calvary, giving us life more abundantly in this, in this wonderful world where he's placed us. And even though there's great sin and great darkness, there's a great light, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we need to share that light with those around us and around the world, which is a great commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Good day, thank you for joining our Moments from the Mission Field, with interviews and stories about how the Lord's work is reaching out globally through the agency of Mission Go. Today we have in our uh, studio Abu Saad, who's a, a missionary with Global Outreach Mission, and he's had the privilege of planting churches all over the Middle East, and he has quite a large work there, and God has blessed him greatly. And today I think he's going to uh, share some testimony about a, a Muslim uh, that has come to Christ. Yes, um... Today, we, as I shared before, we have uh, reaching uh, refugees in different uh, countries. And uh, one of the country uh, you may be surprised is the same country of uh, the war country, which is uh, Syria. 
just recently uh, we sent fund there uh, to um, have food and uh, prepare for uh, kids to uh, give them back backpack with school supplies and uh, one of the lady actually uh, came and uh, we met him uh, she said um, uh, I've been close to uh, living in close to Damascus area and the rebels came and and kidnapped my uh, husband and um, the first time they asked for uh, money and uh, uh, they got what they got from him and uh, he has his own uh, uh, business he said like a small supermarket and um, they came another time and uh, took him because uh, he didn't provide for them enough money um, and they were uh, he was out for 20, 20 days from home when uh, he returned I was not expecting she said uh, for him to return when she returned, he was uh, beaten every place from head to toe. Hardly he can speak, hardly he can walk. But uh, he, she said, my husband who gave all his life just to provide uh, food for us and uh, um, a good living for my kids and me. And we are uh, seven, I have seven kids. Um, and uh, she said, one of them also, she's um, have a muscle trouble. So uh, she has a special uh, need for uh, medicine uh, every month. Um, so uh, she said, we end up here, a safe place today. And this lady, um, she started to get uh, some uh, food and care. Uh, as I mentioned, every time uh, our team goes to those people's home and um, visit them and share the gospel and uh, play with their kids and uh, uh, just hear their stories so this lady she was uh, giving the testimony she said uh, i really appreciate what uh, i saw all my years uh, i never had experience with the christians uh, but today i would be testifying that uh, not just seeing those uh, uh, Christians are different, but seeing that they're uh, really practicing what Christ is talking about, knowing uh, uh, Christ in my life, I could understand now what is uh, Christianity uh, it's about. Uh, she said, uh, without you, uh, I cannot today uh, stand here uh, and uh, uh, even have help uh, for my uh, children. Uh, my husband cannot work anymore uh, because we lost everything and he's almost um, not able to work from the torture he received. And uh, she was crying while he was uh, talking, uh, but she, she said, uh, we, we have much more than enough we have Jesus in our uh, life today, that uh, he's our friend and uh, family, and we lost friends and fa family there, uh, but today we have Jesus and we have the church here who are standing with us and uh, fill us uh, like we are home, uh, even much, much better than home. Uh, so uh, I what I wanna say is um, Muslims today, they're receiving Christ, uh, not just uh, because of the food and whatever, but they're seeing uh, Christ and uh, their life is changing. And the, the good things and the amazing, of course, things uh, which we always see, 
um, those people who would reach other. Uh, so when you're reaching somebody for uh, with Christ, you see others are coming just because of them. They experienced Christ and they saw Christ in practical uh, way, not just ask them to pray or receive Christ. No, uh, they really experiencing Christ in a daily basis. Wow. It's very good testimony. We hear stories that all across the Middle East that a lot of Muslims are, are coming to Christ in, in this day and age. And that's a real blessing. When you listen to the news, everything's, uh, you know, somebody's getting killed or they're blowing up something or are doing some terrible things that are almost uh, hard to believe that one human can do to another. But on the other side of the coin, the Lord's working in and may these um, Muslims are, are now coming to Christ. And that's really a great blessing. And Christ is building his church around the world. And we're thankful that you have a great opportunity to minister to these folks. And we thank you for all the, the people that have come to Christ through your, your ministry. May the Lord bless you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. As you're aware, this is a listener-supported program. And we desperately need your prayers and your financial support particularly over the summer months when it's very difficult to raise funds for Christian ministries. This month, we're offering a wonderful pamphlet by Dr. Fred Hartman named Decisions Have Long-Lasting Effects. Decisions Have Long-Lasting Effects. And it talks about sinful decisions that people in the Bible had made and what the long-term effects were for their descendants and for others and how that affects people. We wait upon the Lord when we ask things in prayer. We wait on him to answer before we go ahead and act. And one of the prime examples in the pamphlet is Abraham and Sarah, where they had a promise from God that they would have a descendant, and then they acted on their own. And um, Abraham went in with Hagar, and Ishmael was born. And of course, Ishmael still has a effect on Israel even to today. And so it's, so it's a wonderful pamphlet that explains how important it is to find the mind of Christ and to listen to him and then act on his will and not try to do things in our own flesh that have long-lasting effects for us and for our families and maybe for our descendants in the future. Please write in to order your copy at Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7 in Canada, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. And the name of the pamphlet is, is called Decisions, which will get you the pamphlet, but decisions have a long-lasting effect. Come and worship the King. Good day. If you, your friends from church, or family members are interested in more information about short-term or career ministry opportunities, 
or seeking someone to come to your church, or a group to speak about international missions, please call 866-483-5787 in Canada or 888-900-5048 in the United States or on the web visit www.missiongo.org so we can share more information. Today's message is from Reverend Art Larson. It's taken from the book of Philippians. I know you will enjoy this message very much. Printed copies are available upon request. A lot of people these days complain that their work is boring. Many blame their jobs for not being challenging. What usually makes work drudgery is a person's attitude, not the work itself. No task needs to be boring because every job contains a hidden challenge. And that challenge is this. How can it be done better? Could anything be more boring than sweeping the floor? Murray Spangler, many years ago, was a department store janitor in Canton, Ohio. He wasn't bored even though the dust made him wheeze and cough. Many people might have grown disgusted and quit. Instead, Murray Spangler set out to find a better way to clean floors. Why not eliminate the broom, he said. Maybe something could be found to suck up the dust. Spangler's question led to a crude but workable vacuum cleaner. He took his invention to an old friend in the leather business to help with financing. The friend's name was H.W. Hoover, and the rest is history. We're studying the book of Philippians. Last week we saw in chapter 1 that Paul had these people on his mind, in his heart, and in his prayers. We found that the book of Philippians, though Paul wrote it from prison, has the theme of joy and rejoicing. And it's all about the Christian life. And I reminded you then, as I remind you today, Dr. A.W. Tozer said, every Christian owes it to the world to be supernaturally joyful. And you can only have that joy in Christ. In fact, the term in Christ is used 132 times by the Apostle Paul. So we went through verses 1 through 11 in the first chapter last time. Today, I want to continue that study in chapter 1, verses 12 through 19. And as I do... I want to read you something from Isaiah chapter 55. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9. You see, God's ways and thoughts are not like ours. And that's why I ask you the following question. Have you been disappointed recently or in the past because things didn't work out the way you thought they should? Some people even become bitter toward God about that, and they do not understand that God's ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. They do not really fully believe that all things, not some, but all things work together for good to them that are, that are the called according to God's purpose and to those who really love him, Romans 8, 28. You see, Paul had this happen to him. Let me read you something else from Romans chapter 1 about Paul's desire. Verse 11, I long to see you, he said to the Christians in Rome, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. That is, that I may be com comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come to you in Rome, but was prevented thus far that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I'm a debtor to the Greeks, to the barbarians, to the wise, to the unwise, so as much as is in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek, for in it is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. 
You see, Paul wanted to go to Rome to preach the gospel. That was the key city of his day. All roads led to Rome. To conquer there with the gospel was to reach millions near and far. He wanted to go as a preacher, but God sent him there as a prisoner. When you read Acts chapter 21 through the conclusion of the book of Acts chapter 28, you'll find that Paul was illegally arrested in the temple in Jerusalem, and then he was uh, put in prison in Caesarea for two years, and finally he appealed to Caesar as a Roman citizen and was sent by Rome to Rome by ship. And the story of that uh, terrible ship uh, trip and shipwreck in Acts chapter 27 are recorded, and uh, yet they all made it to the island of Malta. They were there for three months, and then finally Paul got to Rome, had his trial before Caesar, and was put in prison in Rome. How disappointing. He wanted to preach. Now he's a prisoner. But instead of complaint, there's confidence. Instead of frustration, there is the furtherance of the gospel. You see, Paul wrote this letter, Philippians, from his chains, from his prison cell in Rome. And listen now to what he says in verse 12. I would that you should understand, brethren, that the things which have happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, becoming confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. I want you to notice, first of all, Paul the pioneer. Here he is in prison. Instead of being shut up as a prisoner, he finds himself sharing as a preacher. Instead of closed doors, there are open doors. Instead of locked in prison, there is a great lift off of the gospel. The word furtherance is actually a Greek word which means pioneer advance. It's an illustrative word used of the engineers who went ahead of the Roman army to open up the way, maybe by cutting down trees, maybe by somehow uh, uh, making some kind of a bridge across some waters or uh, a chasm. But in any case, they were pioneers. And Paul says the furtherance of the gospel is a pioneer advance from this prison cell. Paul, the pioneer. You see, his ways were not God's ways, and his thoughts were not God's thoughts. God always has a better way of doing it. So he puts Paul in prison for the pioneer advance or furtherance of the gospel. I want you to see, secondly, Paul in prison. Look at what he says in verse 13. So my chains, my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. Notice that Paul, as a prisoner, is speaking about the fact that his chains were in Christ. Paul does not say, my chains were in prison or in Rome or whatever. He says, I am in Christ and everywhere I go, Christ is with me. Christ is for me. Christ goes ahead of me. He's above me. He's beside me. He's beneath me. He's behind me. And my chains here are in Christ. Do you realize that? When Paul wrote on another occasion, from his last imprisonment later on in his life, he said to, second to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 8 and 9, I am an ambassador in chains, but the word of God is not bound. You see, Paul didn't complain about his chains, but consecrated them to God and asked God to use them to advance the gospel. And the result was he had contact with many unsaved people. And his courage gave Christians outside the prison great courage to bear their testimony in the freedom that they had when they weren't in prison. As they saw Paul being bold, they became bold. Now remember this, friend. Paul was chained in that prison to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day. This was the elite Praetorian Guard. There were four soldiers a day, 
and they worked six-hour shifts. They were the Imperial Palace Guards, distinct from army or police. There were 9,000 of them, and four of these particular Praetorian Guards took turns one at a time for six hours being chained to Paul in that prison cell. You can imagine what happened. How would you like to have been there in the cell with Paul if you were an unsaved soldier? He witnessed to them. He prayed for them. He shared Christ with them. He loved them. He just won them to Jesus. So when you come to chapter 4, verse 22, and you see Paul and the palace, he says, I want you to greet all the saints, especially those who are in Caesar's household. How in the world did all those believers get into Caesar's household? Well, Paul led these Praetorian guard soldiers to Christ one by one. We don't know how many of them he led to the Lord, but he undoubtedly led enough of them that because they were close to Caesar's household, they in turn went and led others to Christ from their own family and friends, and pretty soon there was a whole group of believers in Caesar's household. Now, Paul would have never been able to get into Caesar's household to preach when he got to Rome, but instead God put him in prison, and by reaching those soldiers, he was able to reach Caesar's household. You see, God always has a better idea, and this has been the story through history of people who, because of disappointments and, and tragedies and things that didn't work out in their lives the way they wanted them to, were used and have been and are being used of God in unique ways because God when we dedicate our circumstances to him and rejoice in what he is doing and going to do, uses us and those circumstances to reach many with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul the pioneer, Paul in prison, Paul now in the palace, as it were, through these people that have come to know Christ. But then Paul mentions his persecutors in verses 15, 7, 16, and 17. Let me read it to you. Paul says, while I'm here in prison... Some of those on the outside indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. Paul's speaking here about his persecutors, and he uses the word contention, verse 16, that some preach Christ of contention. That word means to canvas for office, to get people to support you. There were undoubtedly those who were jealous of Paul. Now he's in prison, they're outside, and they're preaching, trying to gather followers after them, but they're preaching the gospel. And Paul is not discouraged. He says, I rejoice that the gospel is being preached. Listen to verse 18. He says, What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense, whether they don't do it sincerely, or for some selfish motive, or in truth, Christ is preached, and in that I do rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. Why? Because Paul always said, we don't preach ourselves. We preach Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your servants for Jesus' sake. And so Paul said, God has to be the one that will finalize and finally test the motive of people who are preaching. But these who are persecuting me and trying to gather followers after them, even though they are preaching the gospel, I rejoice in that. Because it is the gospel, as Paul said in Romans 1.16, that is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. How wonderful it is when God takes our circumstances and we don't understand what's going on, and then even others don't understand, and then they begin maybe to talk about us or against us, whatever, that God is using all of that 
for his glory and turns it around to the preaching of the gospel and the salvation of souls. I want you to notice, last of all, Paul's prayer. Look at verse 18 uh, and then 19. I know this, verse 19, that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. You know what Paul's confident about? Even though he's in chains in prison and he sees the gospel going out in ways that he never, never thought would go, Paul says, it is your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of of Jesus Christ that will mean my salvation. What he means by that is not his his spiritual salvation, but his his actual uh, salvation from death and eventual release from prison so that he can go on preaching the gospel on the outside as well as the inside. God has put in Paul a dependence on him, and Paul is depending on God's lavish resources. The word supply is a Greek word that means lavish or generous. This lavish resource is the ministry of the precious, dear Holy Spirit of the Lord, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul is saying, oh, I'm thankful for the security of the scriptures and the the prayers of the saints and the lavish supply of the Holy Spirit. Even though I'm here in prison, God has turned this all around for his glory. Now, my friend, where are you today? Don't be disappointed. Remember that all things do work together for good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. The story is told of how during the war, a beautiful cathedral in in Britain was bombed and their main stained glass window that they valued so highly was broken and shattered into pieces. They swept the pieces into a corner and started to repair some of the building. A man came by and asked if he could have those pieces of stained glass. They said, well, sure, they're no value to us. But about a year and a half later, they were called uh, to a a, a beautiful uh, artist's uh, uh, shop in which he was displaying his work. And this man had taken these splintered pieces and put them into the most beautiful stained glass picture that they had ever seen of Christ with his hands outstretched. He had taken what they thought was their shattered dreams and hopes of this beautiful uh, stained glass window in their church, and he had done it even better than it had ever been, and then he gave it as a gift to that church. You see, God's ways are not ours, and his thoughts are not ours, but he turns life around if we surrender to him, and he uses it for his glory. Don't be discouraged, my friend, today. Give it all to the Lord, and trust him as Paul did for the furtherance of the gospel in your witness. May God bless you where you are today. I trust the message you just heard will be a real blessing to you throughout this next week. And we trust that uh, God spoke to you through that message. And here at Kansas National Bible Hour, our great desire is to see people come to know Jesus Christ as personal Savior if they've not already made that decision, the most important decision that a person can make in life. And of course, the Bible is very clear that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In other words, God is a holy God, a perfect God, a pure God. And uh, one sin will keep us out, keep us away from him and from living with him forever. And so God had to make a way because man's sinful and couldn't make a way. And he sent the best gift he had, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ became a babe in the manger. 
He was a God man. He grew up, uh, did several miracles and teachings. Uh, but the goal was actually to go to the cross and bear your sins and my sins and his body as he hung on that tree. And he made a perfect sacrifice. He was a perfect lamb of God. He did not sin. And so therefore he was qualified to die for us in our place. And he paid the penalty that we deserve. We deserve to go to hell. We deserve to pay for all our sins. But Jesus took our sin on him. And he died. And on the third day he rose again. And he's alive today. And what the Bible asks you to do is act in faith. Believe these facts that Jesus died for our sins that he was buried, that he rose again on the third day. And you ask him, you receive him into your heart. The verse that I came to Christ in is Acts 16, 31, which says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe, trust in Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. And I was saved as a young boy of 12, and it changed my life forever. Please write to Canada's National Bible Hour to get your pamphlet of Decisions Have a Long-Lasting Effect. You can, the address is Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R 7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. You can also visit our website and listen to past broadcasts of Canada's National Bible Hour and also our new internet service. If you have a smartphone, you can get it at MGO Radio. And uh, it'll be a real blessing to you. You can also get past uh, Canada's National Bible Hour programs at our website at www.missiongo.org.